everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems Podcast. And this is a show where we look at a streaming service and we figure out some hidden gems that you can watch on that service. And it's a lot of fun. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Uh, hey, Rachel. It's great to be back with you once again. I appreciated the week off and I appreciated uh, watching your <laughs> evisceration of the Pinocchio remake. I, You know, you are one of my favorite people. And so, and I appreciate your bubbly personality, but it's rare when you get mad at something, and I, I guess I appreciate it. I was listening to it as like, good, good, <laughs> let the hate flow through you. <laughs> yeah, rarely do I dislike a movie so much as Pinocchio twenty twenty and twenty twenty two, and it had it had to be done. Mm. It had so uh, I I'm grateful that you enjoyed it, and I, and I really enjoyed having Lasse on. I thought that he was a very good like co-host for that one yeah i didn't hate the movie nearly as much as you did i thought it was just completely wooden and without any of the lessons that made the fur the original such a classic it like i said to you before we started it was like someone threw the first pinocchio at a robot and be like here remake this is like here's the pinocchio doll here's geppetto here's the blue fairy for one scene here's pleasure island here, here's a ton of bad CGI. Oh, wait, that wasn't in the original? Ah, that's not a bug. It's a feature. It is like, <laughs> dudes, this is Zemeckis yeah. we're talking about yeah. here. Back to the Future. I mean, Cast Away. Like, this dude has credentials. So what is he doing doing this? It makes no sense. Yeah. He added a new uh, wing to the Zemeckis castle, I think. <laughs> yeah. That's all we got. But but I'm grateful and it was a little, it was fun and therapeutic for me, uh, and so I uh, I generally have a very positive uh, channel, but mm. you know you got to be real. Yeah, and there's a part of me that is like I don't want know if I want to tear this apart, but if something's particularly bad, like that awful Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie from earlier this year, the Netflix uh -huh. one was wretched. I had no qualms about tearing <laughs> that movie a new one. Yeah, especially if it's a soulless offering from a giant mega corporation. It's not like it's some indie darling, you know, that someone's mm. put their their life into. So, <laughs> but uh, but I haven't seen. I mean, not to get totally off topic, but I haven't seen that many bad movies this year. I, I I've seen a lot that I was kind of like, eh, or I was right on the middle on, but a lot of the the movies on other people's worst lists i haven't seen um so my worst of at the end of the year list will probably be pretty different than everybody else but yeah that's part of the fun of it so. yeah i don't know if it's because i haven't seen as many movies as everyone else on the planet but my 10 worst is uh i think is at like a seven like seven or eight i'm struggling honestly but i mean that's kind of a good thing is my top 10 yeah uh, my top 10 best is completely spoiled for choice and my 10 worst i'm like having to be like mm -hmm. uh there's a couple slam dunks and then most are like is that really worthy of being on this or is it just kind of a throwaway so i mean yeah it's nice to have that luxury of your 10 list not being set in stone i mean i guess it's a commentary on movies this year most of them being being at least average and not completely yeah. like facepalm worthy <laughs> i just haven't seen a lot of the ones that other people have hated so i've been very fortunate that way <laughs> this year 
because <laughs> um, I, well, I think part of it is because I have been started, you know, working as a theater critic. And so a lot of that time that I might've seen the, you know, the bad movies, like I've had to be a little more picky. I mean, I've still seen, uh, what, like 400 films this year. Uh, but, um, uh, I missed, uh, well, as far as new releases, um, feature films, I've seen 126, but total I've seen 382 old and new. Wow. <laughs> I need to try so, a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're here for Hidden Gems. Why don't you tell everybody what we're talking about today? Uh, we're talking about Peacock and Peacock, particularly in the past couple of weeks, has been really helpful to me because I'm in prepare, I'm in preparation for my Scary Mania series, which by the time this drops, it will be starting up this weekend. Stay tuned to my channel for that. And mm -hmm. a good chunk of the movies I've had to watch have all been on Peacock. So they have been a pretty big savior for me. And just in general, I did not have a hard time coming up with my five because I was like, that's on that's on that's on and by the yeah. time i was like oh well that was fast <laughs> yeah peacock really does have quite a bit to offer with uh new releases that they have they've got uh, classic films they have i mean uh they have sports that you can watch they have live tv so there's it's a really pretty good platform plus the fact that uh it's i mean for me it's included in my cable uh, but they don't have they they a lot of it is free uh and then they have a paywall for some of it but um that's pretty nice i splurged for the paywall and the ad free mm -hmm. version and even then it's not really that much so yeah. you're not gonna yeah. dent the piggy bank all that much mm -hmm. yeah i agree yeah they've really come around to being a, a very good uh, uh subscription service yeah i agree Streaming and i service even... I've even delved into some of the sports stuff and and it's and it's honestly quite good there. So if any of you are all into that, then that's a good place to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, what is your first uh, recommendation? So my first choice is a movie from 1981. And this is a bit of a spoiler. This is one I'm covering for Scary Mania. It's Halloween 2. Uh, this is directed by Rick Rosenthal. This is the direct sequel to the first Halloween. John Carpenter did not direct this. However, he was a writer on it. And I had heard a lot of positive reception for this in the horror community. There's a lot of people because Halloween continuity is like trying to separate the spaghetti from the sauce. It, it's <laughs> just a complete mess. However, from what I came to understand, Halloween 2 got a lot of respect. So having not seen it, I went into it expecting good stuff. And that's what I got. It's not on the level of the first Halloween, but I mean, that's a kind of impossible standard there. But for picking up literally right where the first movie left off and carrying it on, it worked really well. And I, there's a part of me that really hoped it would have ended there, but we're getting Halloween ends later on this month. I mean, ends in air quotations. Let's see how long. <laughs> let's see how long that lasts. But yeah, how many are there? There's. I know there's Halloween, Halloween two, and Halloween three: Season of the Witch. Then there's four, five, there's and six. Eight. Then H two O, right? H two O, that's right. And then Resurrection, so that's eight. 
Then the two zombie ones by Rob Zombie. So Halloween and Halloween 2 there. So that's 10. And then the latest trilogy. So oh 13. Gosh. That's a lot. I've only seen one. I've seen the first one. <laughs> yeah. As of now, I've seen Halloween 1 and 2, the original 1 and 2. And I've seen the 2018 version did not see halloween kills and i really do not understand what was happening there but i just didn't see it i will have to correct that before it ends but halloween 2 is quite underrated and it's it's definitely underrated considering that they did a smart thing and literally picked it up just like seconds after the first one ends when michael myers's body hits the ground after dr loomis shoots him that's when the movie begins and it carries on from there to where they take Lori to the general hospital and Michael Myers stalks to her there. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is great, of course. Donald Pleasance pretty much makes the whole movie, in my opinion. He's really good. I mean, he's always really good, but he really does make the Dr. Loomis character just really, really great. There's a lot of really juicy kills if you're into something like that. Uh, there's a great kill where where Michael Myers like like drowns a woman in like one of these like hydrotherapy baths because it takes place in the hospital and it like scalds her face and it's oh it's really give you goosebumps there. But out of the sequels that I have seen, this is definitely one that I would give a hearty recommendation to. Cool, yeah, and they got the whole, pretty much the whole cast back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no carpenter in the director's chair, though he was a writer, so his influence is definitely there. And he was on the score as well. And honestly, I kind of like the intro to this movie, the 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 Halloween like credits in this one better than the first. I like the updated score and it, I like how it focuses on the pumpkin, but then the pumpkin kind of splits. And as the camera moves in, you see like the skull in the middle and it's mm -hmm. a very creepy visual. And they have Dean Cundy as the cinematographer, and he's such mm -hmm. a legend. He's yeah. done so many amazing. Uh, so that's interesting. And uh, so, yeah, that that sounds like a, a pretty decent sequel, at least. Yeah, it's def again, it's definitely not on the first Halloween's level, but like that's up here. And it's like mm -hmm. all downhill from there. So it's a bit of a step down, but not too much. Not to too where much. It, it's not too much. It's like a it's still of it's still on mostly equal footing cool good all right well my first choice is actually a movie from 2022 uh that is on peacock now it is a uh, indie called vengeance and this is by bj novak it as writer director and star bj novak from the office and basically he plays this man who's this podcaster. It's kind of a, he's like um, this American life NPR kind of like podcaster. And he gets a call from uh, a girl, girl's family that he had hooked up with, hadn't really thought much about. And they think that he's her boyfriend. And so they tell her that she's passed away and we come for the funeral and everything like that so he decides to go and he goes to texas and he uh he ends up deciding he's going to make a podcast about uh texas about the people and trying to figure out what happened to her uh and 
uh, it's pretty funny. It's pretty well done. He, he calls in a lot of favors. You can tell this was his baby and he kind of got all his friends to help him uh, because, you know, you have some pretty big names in small parts or cameos and you're like, why would they be in this little movie? Except for the fact mm. they, you know, are friends, I'm sure. Um, Ashton Kutcher is in it. Dove Cameron is in it. Issa Rae is in it. Um, Boyd Holbrook. Uh, and it was kind of interesting because I didn't know if, the Texas jokes were a little too much. They were a little uh, over the top. But uh, Sean Chandler, our friend, uh, he said that he watched it. You know, he's from Austin, Texas, and he watched it in a crowd of Texans, and they were all eating it up and laughing their heads off. So evidently, it's not too much, I guess. Uh, but they they are some pretty there's a lot of texas jokes texas uh, hick jokes uh the ending doesn't really quite nail it it doesn't quite work but overall it's definitely an, an interesting film especially for a first film i think it's his first film and uh it's funny it's clever um and so i i think it's worth certainly worth a watch so Ryan the Temp made a movie. Good for yeah, him. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember when this came out because I was um I was debating whether or not I should see this or Marcel the Shell with Shoes on because they they both came out the same weekend, and I was like, yeah, what Marcel? I went with that, and Good I, <laughs> I, I I made the right choice. Yes, but I've always been interested <laughs> to check this one out. It was like I was like on Peacock actually. They have like a lot of new releases that I'm definitely interested in checking out before the year ends. Yeah. I watched the I watched the outfit on there, which that movie was really good. Thank yeah. you for your recommendation on that one. Oh, good. I'm glad you saw it. It wasn't. It? I I thought this twist was so clever. It was very surprising to me. I thought it revealed a bit too much, but the more I've been thinking about it, it he was alluding to it from the beginning. Yeah. So I, I guess it does make sense. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And uh and yeah, but good choice about Marcel. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. was kind of interesting because I liked the movie. I gave it fresh and rotten tomatoes. I recommended it. Um, and then like it's just interesting when this happens because uh then people saw it in my peer group and loved it and they were like totally hyping up. And then I felt kind of like Oh, I, I didn't think it was that good, but then I had to kind of remind myself, I did like it. You know, it's, you almost are, you can, that's the danger of hyperbole is you can kind of almost talk yourself out of, if you feel in the middle and people are so high, you can sort of feel like, wow, you know, maybe I didn't like it. Or you kind of go against it, but then you're like, no, I did like it. <laughs> I no, it that it, makes it, sense. It's... In my brief time here on YouTube, I've learned I've learned uh, learned a phrase. It's four words: stick to your guns. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, all right. Uh, so, what is your next pick? So, my next choice is a movie from 2010, and I'm going to be recommending the adaptation of Eat, Pray, Love. Now, I have not fallen on my head. You heard that right. I am recommending a Julia Roberts movie, because it's actually quite good. And I've actually read this book, and I really enjoyed it. I, I was, 
Uh, in about a couple of years ago, I promised myself that I was going to read 50 books and I did. I actually read 51. So I did one more than I said. Nice. I and one of them, which I had bought at my library where I now work uh, at, at, a, at the book sale was Eat, Pray, Love. And I was and all that I knew about it was it was a joke in a Big Bang Theory episode where Raj Kutherpali read it and it changed his life. And I thought that was funny. And so I was like, you know, if I'm going to try and read 50 this year, then I might as well try and not just read like mystery books and horror books. So I might as well try and throw some diversity in there in terms of genre. So I picked it up and it was better than I was anticipating it to be because it's a story that I think can apply to pretty much everyone about someone who supposedly has everything, marriage, a great job seemingly has everything but is completely miserable and then she throws it all away and decides to spend some time for herself going to italy india and singapore trying to find eating praying and loving for lack of a better word uh julia roberts was a really good choice here for the main character i thought she did a really good job it's julia roberts so of course but I did not expect, when I first saw the movie, I did not expect to see Viola Davis in here. I, I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, yeah. whoa, Viola yeah. Davis, what are you doing here? And she was good as as her friend. Uh, Billy Crudup is in this. Richard Jenkins, who I always think is just really good in everything that he's in. He's good in this, too. And the IMDb score is like at a 5.8 out of 10 or something like that. And I was just like, what meeting did I miss where I was supposed to not like this? For a book to movie mm -hmm. adaptation, I think they did about as good a job as you can expect. Yeah, I like it too. And I, I mean, I love Julia Roberts, so uh, no shame there. I think she's great. Um, I, I think that it can be a little bit hard to relate to her. She seems pretty privileged, to use a cringy word. Um, that that's that I think that's the only thing people bristle up against and like oh how hard would we all like to go to Bali and Italy and but it's escapist it's supposed to be escapism uh, and so I I, I enjoyed on that level as well and Javier Bardem being all dreamy uh, is is fun <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I guess I can kind of understand that perspective but again I, I think it relates to stuff that everybody goes through, like at some point in their life, just a complete like sense of, I have everything that I supposedly should want, and yet I'm not happy. Like I've yeah. experienced it. Rachel, I know you've talked to me about yeah. your terrible office job once upon a time. So <laughs> I, I think we all experience that at some point in our life. And I just, like I said, it's yeah. definitely like, it's definitely escapist. I mean, we can't just drop everything as like, you know what? I'm going to go to Italy. It is like it not without planning or proper like travel arrangements. But <laughs> yeah, the, if, the, if the heart anybody is wants to sponsor me on my quest to find myself, <laughs> I, I, I'm available. But the heart is in the right go. place. That's my point. Yeah, I agree. And it, it is escapist. It, that's the whole point of it so yeah I, I i agree i like it too 
I like it too. Um, all right. Well, my second recommendation is another recent release from 2022. Um, it is called Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. And this was a movie that I saw at Sundance. It was kind of a rough Sundance. So I, I didn't have that many that I uh, loved out of Sundance. And I didn't love this. It has its flaws. Um, but I did overall recommend it. Uh, it partly because of the strong performances from Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown. And they they play these disgraced megachurch uh, pastor and pastor wife uh, and that are trying to make this comeback and it's done in this mockumentary. And I think that there is just enough funny jokes. I'm no expert on these megachurches or, or, I mean, obviously I'm not a traditional Christian, so I don't, I, I, I don't really know how kind of accurate or biting the critique is. Uh, but I know it's just like stuff that was pretty funny. Like I never heard of phrase mime that that was a thing, I guess, in these churches is mime. Um, so, and there were some funny jokes with that and, uh, it does, it is tonally uneven and they try too hard, I think, to humanize Sterling K. Brown's character and get you to sort of root for him, but then he's like terrible, so I think they should have just left him at like a scumbag, a bad guy, and not tried to kind of humanize him or make you feel sorry for him. Uh, but nevertheless, I still think it's funny enough to be worth a watch. <laughs> a mild yeah. recommendation for me on this one. Yeah, I saw this one too, and I did. I planned on reviewing it, but I I just I didn't get the chance to. But this mm-hmm. was this was a weird watch for me. I actually saw it in theaters. This was a very weird watch for me because, it, mm-hmm. like I said, this I don't know if I was supposed to like this this pastor or if I wasn't supposed to. Yeah. It's heavily implied that I wasn't because it's heavily implied that the scandal he was in. Well, I I can't say it, but it's pretty bad, and, and so I'm yeah. just sitting there like. Why am I supposed to be rooting for them to come back again? And and the movie didn't give me a tangible reason as to why. It gave me a thousand reasons not to. And honestly, it made me really feel bad for uh for his wife, uh Trinity, uh, mm-hmm. who is played by Regina Hall. Regina, Regina Hall. Regina Hall. She was yeah. good in there too. And and Sterling K. Brown, it's the performance-wise, he did a really good job as well. But it, it, the movie needed to pick a lane either choose the lane yeah. of oh the people are just truly terrible and they deserve what they get or b they made a mistake and they do something to where they win some people over and word of mouth spreads and the rival church ends up just completely tanking you know they mm-hmm. the filmmakers need to do something and instead they just kind of went with chaotic neutral and i just wasn't a big fan i think that's fair i do think some of the scenes with those other pastors are are, is really funny and the preacher and his the other like like them looking into funhouse mirrors of themselves yeah like yeah i totally agree i i laughed just enough to say it's worth it's worth a watch i think for the two performances and for some funny jokes but i do agree it is uneven um and certainly not a great movie but uh i mean it was a rough sundance what can i say 
Well, Tiff, well, Tiff uh, recovered everything, so that's looking forward <laughs> yeah, to it. So. I, I finally saw the trailer for The Fablemans. That movie looks choice. It looks really yeah. good. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I, uh, so what's your next pick? So my next choice is a movie from 2018, and it is called Jexy. Uh, this stars Adam Devine. He, his character works at the legally distinct BuzzFeed. He makes like listicles and basically like 15 things that were relatable to insert rate, insert ideological group of people here in 2022, like those kinds of articles. He's had a crippling dependence on his phone throughout his whole life, but then he gets a new phone with a software called Jexy and it becomes his best friend. And when he finds a girl he really likes, Jexy gets kind of jealous. And th this premise sounds absolutely ludicrous because it is. However, it, it, I think I remember seeing this and I honestly was I was kind of won over by it. I thought it it had a lot. It didn't have a lot. Let me back up a second. I it won me over in that the commentary wise, I <laughs> it. it it was making fun of people that I was like, okay, yeah, you're making fun of them, and I appreciate you for that. And Adam Devine, I've been kind of hot and cold on over his career, but I really liked him here. Uh, I kind of related to related to him on the whole phone dependency thing. I'm not alone in that. I'm kind of bad like that too. Don't use Siri a ton of times though. That's the only difference. But it's a movie that didn't get nearly enough love, and I think that it should. I think I think it's one of those movies that people slept on a little too much. Yeah, I'd heard how horrible it was. I felt like it was on a bunch of people's worst of the year list, uh, so I never saw it. But uh, glad to hear that uh, you, you liked it. Yeah, it wasn't nearly as bad as some people made it out to be. Cool. All right. Uh, well, my next pick uh, is not like, again, not a great movie, but serviceable. It's um, 27 Dresses is my next pick. And this is just one of those like pretty basic rom-coms. If you're looking, this is not like one of the best ones in the field or anything like that. But if you, if you are a, uh, if you are a, a single older woman like me, you've been in a lot of weddings and uh, you have a lot of bridesmaids dresses and, uh, and she has 27 dresses and James Marsden is, is this reporter. He's, he's cute. And um, he, she's in love with her boss played by Edward Burns. Uh, who's like this, um, CEO, like natural CEO kind of guy. Um, Alan Ackerman, Judy Greer, uh, Melora Hardin is in this. Uh, so it's got a, a pretty good cast. I mean, this is just if you like the if you like rom coms, this one is fine. <laughs> That's all I have to say about it. It's fine. Yeah, I've never seen this one. However, I remember seeing because. I remember seeing the poster of Katherine Heigl wearing like the dress, but the dress is like made up of like critics quotes, I believe it was. Oh yeah. Oh, oh I, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And I remember seeing that cover and I was like, wow, that's actually pretty unique. Someone, 
someone should hire this person again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's strange. It's like after after Catherine Heigl made one for the money, it was like she completely disappeared. And I really don't know what happened to her because it, it was strange. She was like everywhere in like the early 2010s. And it was like after one for the money, it was like, poof, she was gone. I mean, maybe she had enough money to where she can just live off that. But I don't know. It was, it was weird. Yeah, I know she has like a, a family. She actually, I think, lives here in Utah. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe that's it. Maybe she just decided to be a mom. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. And she has kind of fallen off the uh she did I think was I think she was in a, actually a show recently on Netflix. Um with um what's it called? Firefly Firefly Lane or something like that. I, I got sent the screener. I, I got the sent the screener, but I never watched it. <laughs> but uh, I really enjoyed her performance in Life as We Know It with Josh Duhamel. I like that mm-hmm. movie quite a bit. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's super cheesy. It's kind of like a feature yeah. film Hallmark movie, but I, I enjoyed it. Uh, all right. Well, what's your next pick? So my next choice, I'll let this part out. So my next choice is a movie from 2003 and it is called Too Fast, Too Furious. And I I think that the Fast and the Furious movies have like they jumped the shark a while ago, but this latest yeah. one just completely broke me because like five was fun, and then six, and then seven, and then they just it it just became a snowball effect for me, and so that's why I've defended a little bit more the Fast and the Furious, the first one, Tokyo Drift, which I've recommended in the past episode, and now Too Fast, Too Furious. It's not the best movie. It's definitely got some cringy moments, but I really enjoy Paul Walker and Tyrese Gibson's chemistry together. They're so much fun together and they really do make the movie work. Plus, they use actual cars in the chases here. And I'm so done with CGI cars in everything that when I see a Mm -hmm. real car being used in something, I'm like, that's a real car. They exist. And, and and I know it sounds dumb. Yeah. But, but it's so refreshing that in a movie called Too Fast, Too Furious, which I'm pretty sure is like the most early 2000s title in movie history, they use like actual cars and do like actual stunts. It brings a smile to my face. What can I say? And also the very, very gorgeous Eva Mendez is in here. And that ain't a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I certainly like this better than the last two, as you said. Um, I mean, they lost me on the eighth one that it was just actually found it to be kind of boring. I and mean, it's crazy because you have all these over-the-top stunts and stuff, but it's like they were so over-the-top that they lost any kind of tension or interest to me. And it just became a lot of people staring at screens. I hated Charlie Theron's character so much. I thought she was terrible. Um, literally spends the whole movie staring at screens which is an action movie pet peeve of mine uh and i don't know i just i i didn't like the the only part of that eighth movie that i liked was uh jason statham with the baby that, that was, was fun that was actually a fun sequence because <laughs> jason yeah, statham yeah. is just this complete like machine like he's a badass and he's like has to like put the earphones over the kid and it's like playing like like the Chipmunks Christmas song, the what I'm playing, that loops a loop, and he's like doing all the thing. 
and then at the end he's like you mm-hmm. good and the baby smiles and I'm like that that's yeah. that's, that's fun i like that that was the redeeming factor uh all of that movie um this one i don't remember all that well it's been a long long time since i saw it but uh it definitely um, got it got dunked on when it got released because it was coming after the fast and the furious which everyone derided as point break with cars and now that i've actually seen point break i can definitely say they yeah. were onto something though i still like the fast and the furious but too fast and furious it's just fun it's got cool chases Tyrese and the late Paul Walker, may he rest in peace, are a lot of fun together. It's a it's a fun movie, and that's all it really yeah. needs to be. Yeah. And I mean, The Rock skating a missile on ice. Like, think about that for a second. The yeah, Rock, the Rock can do many things. Like he can bring entire football <laughs> leagues back from the dead. See the XFL, but like, <laughs> missile, like no, it it just. Like there's, I'm pretty lenient when it comes to things like that. But at a certain point, it just yeah. like from it this just, point on, you lost me. Yeah, I agree. It was just too stupid. Um, all right. Well, my next pick is called Seventeen Again, and uh, the I like movies a lot where people like switch bodies or um are in like an alternate dimension or whatever i don't know i just seems like that almost always works for me whether it's like freaky friday or your name or or whatever uh and in this case you have uh this guy i like um uh what's the one with jennifer garner 13 going on 30 i like that big all those i I just like that and in this one you have 30 year old who uh, gets a chance to be 17 again and uh, so he's got, you know, the adult mind in the 17 year old body and you have uh, Zac Efron and um, uh, and um, Matthew Perry. Uh, they're the ones that uh, switched and uh, you have Leslie Mann playing his mom. And I just like this movie. I think it's sweet and funny. And uh, Zac Efron is charming uh, and uh I like the script. Uh, so yeah, that's what I give it. <laughs> I don't remember know that much to say about it, but it's cute. You know, I remember seeing this in theaters. This was at the peak of, uh, I believe High School Musical had just wrapped up a few years prior to this. And so my senses were on high alert, or actually this movie came out in 2008 and High School Musical 3 came out in 2007. So it was just a year, but my mm-hmm. senses were on high alert for anything with Zac Efron, Vanessa Hudgens, Corbin Blue, all of that. And so I, you bet I was going there for that. And I really enjoyed this one. And I, and I, I, I like Matthew Perry's character's brain inside of the, the teenager. And I especially love the scene where he realizes that he has a 17 year old's metabolism. And so he just like empties the fridge and he like just does the cheese. Whiz yeah. Thing that was a lot of fun Mm -hmm. there's a lot of funny sequences and uh i mean i can't think of anything worse than having to go back to high school it's like it would be a nightmare for me but but they make it funny in this one so yeah it's like people like have this this doe-eyed view of high school they're just like take (laughs) me back you know like do you hate your life that much (laughs) <laughs> i mean i didn't even hate high school i had a pretty like normal innocuous high school but 
I would absolutely not want to go back. (laughs) Uh, No way. Um, And and honestly, I'm doing much better now that I've left high school now. Yeah. Because I've, I got a job I really love. I got friends both in the real world and online, which is a yeah. sentence that I never thought I would say, but there you go. <laughs> you know, I have a I have a YouTube channel that's near 300. It's just, I'm doing so much better now that I'm out of Spruce Creek High School than when I was in. Yeah. So yeah. get away from me oh, with yeah. your high school <laughs> nostalgia. No way. Unless it's I just like, once you have freedom to make your own choices, to live your life, and to not have to ask permission to go to the bathroom, things like that, um, you, I could never go back. I could never go back. No, no, I couldn't either. I could yeah. not. So, what is your last pick? So, my last choice, my last choice is a movie from 1936. Yeah, 1936, and it is the only canonical sequel to the og dracula from 1931 it's called dracula's daughter uh this is another scary mania review so i'll go more into detail in that review when it drops october 2nd but um this was this was like i said the only direct sequel to that dracula movie bela lugosi's dracula would appear in movies like frankenstein meets the wolfman things like that he would appear in team movies but he would never appear in a solo movie again because he didn't want to be typecast uh so it was uh this movie was based on a rejected chapter from the original Bram Stoker novel of the same name and and this and I wouldn't say this is on the level of the OG Dracula but it's definitely better than people remember it being Gloria Holden plays Dracula's daughter and she is just she's great in this she really is and she hated horror movies she looked down on them and thought they were beneath her but she honestly I don't know if it was spite or just trying to make this work but she really put the legwork in and she did a really great job over the years this movie has gotten a bit of a a reputation as being like the first instance of a um just to be PC a lesbian relationship and even in back then, it's the subtext is definitely there. It's not overt, but if you're on the lookout for it, it's definitely noticeable. And I'm not saying that as a some kind of a dig. I'm just saying that if you're on the lookout for it, you're definitely going to be able to spot it. And and when and when I did see it, I was like, how are they able to get away with this in 1936? Like, how are they able to slip this past? the past the mpaa if that was even a thing back in the day and i remember in my research there was this um there was this book called the celluloid closet i can't remember the name of the author but uh but the author wrote about dracula's daughter and and universal set universal in the marketing wanted to include the tagline keep your daughters away from keep the daughters of london away from dracula's daughter which it was never used, but it just interesting to think about. But the movie is a, is a hidden gem. It is definitely underrated, and I will have more information on that in my review coming up. Cool. I never I've never heard of heard of this one, so that sounds really interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, it looks uh, it looks it looks intriguing um, from the um, 
it looks like it's, the black and white cinematography looks beautiful. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, well, my last one is admittedly not really a hidden gem. It's a very popular film, but I just felt like talking about it because I watched it this week. And that is Pretty Woman. And uh, we are doing, uh, me and Stanford, this week on Wednesday, it posted our ni- 1990 Disney Studios ranking video. And we have so much fun doing those uh, rankings. They're a lot of work because there's a, this one was 17 movies that had to be watched or rewatched. Ooh. Yeah, a lot. Uh, and uh, and so you'll see where I rank it. But it... it but you know, I watched rewatched Pretty Women, and I was like, "Is it going to hold up? Is it you know the uh, is it going to be outdated?" Uh, with uh, you know, we have kind of a more nuanced idea of of sex work and and uh, things like that now than we did back then. How's it going to hold up? And uh, and I thought it held up extremely well. Like, there's never a point when he. Uh, he challenges her and she doesn't hold her own. Uh, you know, she's very clear about her rules and whenever she breaks those rules, it is by her own consent and choice, except for obviously with the Jason Alexander character, who is a total, uh, jerk. Um, but as far as with the Richard Gere character, like she, she holds her own. And by the end, yes, he does rescue her, but she also rescues him. And he says that, and he, he he makes the kind of brave business decision at the end that's less selfish and uh, that's because of her influence on him and so i i feel like they're good influences on each other and there's a lot of iconic scenes and julia roberts her hair never looked better i mean it looks so beautiful this big curly hair I, i'm so jealous of it um but this was a touchstone release, uh, which was a branch of Disney in uh, in the 90s. Uh, I mean, I guess it's still technically there, but I don't think they've used it for a while. Um, but uh, it used to be where they released like R-rated or um, when um, when Nightmare Before, Before Christmas first came out, it was a touchstone release. Because mm. I think because it was seen as something more edgy and whatever. Uh, movies like... Uh, um, like in our ranking, we had arachnophobia. We had um, uh, uh, the first Turner Hooch. That was t- that was a touchstone release. The Tom uh, Hanks one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a touchstone. Uh, so anyway, um, that's uh, but it's here on um, Peacock. I don't know why, uh, <laughs> uh, but I think it's it really holds up quite well as like two K two people who who get to know each other, who genuinely fall in love, who make each other better. Uh, there's uh, lots of iconic sequences. It has a good supporting cast. Hector Elizondo uh, is always in the, was always in the Gary Marshall movies and he's good here. Uh, he plays the uh, manager of the hotel that they're staying at. Uh, and uh, the costuming is really strong. Uh, Julie Roberts is completely charming, charismatic in the role. You can see why it made her star. Um, so, uh, I think it holds up, like I said, very well. It's a, a strong romantic. It's very sexy. It's definitely earns this R rating. No question about that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's a good movie. Yeah. Not to mention, and I, 
I've only seen this scene from the movie, but there's the scene where Julia Roberts enters that department store and the snooty manager yeah. basically kicks her out. And yeah. then she gets in, in the money and then she comes back and she's like, by the way, I know you work on commission, so I'm taking my business elsewhere. So like, uh, she's making her own decisions here. It's like, what meaning did I miss? So it, it's like, yeah. I, I never understood like the criticism of Julia Roberts never made any decision of her own. She was saved by the big bad white man. Like, like, no, she clearly like was making her own decisions and her influence rubbed off on him and yeah. vice versa. Well, and she has her insecurities and you know, she feels really bad after that happens. It's not like she just sort of brushes it off. It definitely gets to her, but, uh, but that's part of what makes her an interesting character. If she was just like, uh, if she was just completely invulnerable to people being rude and unkind to her, then she wouldn't, she wouldn't be as human. You wouldn't relate to her. You wouldn't feel for her. It wouldn't be as much a victory when she comes back with him and says like, look, yeah, look what you missed. You could have made all this money kind of a thing uh, that it makes for a well-written script that has nuance and character growth. And, uh, and so, I I I I was really impressed by it. I, I thought it was it was very well done. Um, so it is like I said, it is pretty spicy though. So <laughs> don't watch it with your mother. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's probably already seen it. So <laughs> so there we go. We did it. Uh, I think this is a very big variety of yeah. our of movies here. <laughs> yeah, but that's what makes it fun. Well, thanks so much. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts if you're listening, what you think of the different uh, recommendations that we had. And if you've been watching anything on Peacock that you'd have to recommend, we'd love to hear your thoughts in the comment section or on Twitter. And Ryan, how can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. Then there's, of course, my YouTube channel, which is just called Ryan Cam. Uh, coming up on the channel, uh, going full force into Scary Mania. I believe by the time this drops, it'll be the 29th. So that'll so that coming weekend, Scary Mania 3 will begin. Uh, so looking forward to that. I've been prepping really hard for it. I can't wait for you all to see it. Uh, I have reviews currently up for Don't Worry Darling and Avatar, which by the time this this video drops, that will have dropped as well. And I will catch up on Andor and I will be reviewing that. So if you haven't checked me out, please do. Yes, you shall definitely check it out. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. We also have our Hidden Gems playlist. So if you want to check out some of our other streaming service recommendations, then definitely take a look at that playlist. Uh, but uh, but yes, you can also find me at the Hallmarkies podcast. Got lots of fun stuff coming up. So definitely want to check over there. Christmas season is coming in my world. So uh, also starting in uh, October on Mondays, we're going to continue Disney Scares Month. I think it's my sixth year doing Disney Scares Month. So a lot of fun going on there for film movie night. So take a look at that and uh, please check out the patron group and merch store. It really helps us out a lot. And uh, thanks so much, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.